Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in our recent past, we have welcomed the newborn king into the world. We have watched as the shepherds and the angels and the magi all sought to put themselves into the presence of Christ. We do that today as we come together to worship and to celebrate and then seek to do that every day for the rest of our lives. Let's take this journey together. We are so glad you're here. Come on in. reading from John 11, 1 through 27. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. After having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk in the night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there. For that you may believe. Let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Our second lesson continues in the narrative of the raising of Lazarus. Listen again with fresh ears. See this in your mind as it is playing out, and let's follow along together. We are continuing in John eleven twenty-eight through 44. Listen again for the word of the Lord. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So friends, here we are, week five in our Lenten journey. Next week is Palm Sunday. It is crazy, isn't it? We are moving so quickly. This season of preparation has been that time where we are seeking to be intentionally inward focused, to look at how and where 
we can work on those obstacles that keep us from God and to fully prepare ourselves for the events of Holy Week that are coming, that end with Jesus on the cross and then the empty tomb. As we look at the passage for today, this is Jesus's last opportunities, last events. We're in chapter 11, chapter 12 starts Palm Sunday and Holy Week. So what we have is a climax in this miracle that John calls signs. Why does he call them signs? Because it's signs that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is with God, and that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the weighted Christ, most anticipated Christ. So there are seven of these in John's gospel. Think with me. Let's go back and remember. Starts with the wedding at Cana where Jesus turned water into wine. Then a healing miracle where Jesus healed the royal official's son. They were back in Cana, but the son who was ill was dying in Capernaum, and Jesus didn't go, didn't lay hands on. He said, your son will be well, and he was healed. That's number two. Number three, Jesus heals the man by the pool, the sheep gate, the, the pool of Bethesda that was thought to have healing properties. And when you stir up the water, the first one in gets your ailment healed. But the man had been there 30 years, so much so that Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? A good question we all need to ask ourselves. Do you want to be healed? And man doesn't respond. But then Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And he does. That's number three. Then the feeding of the 5,000, probably more, eight to 10,000. Then Jesus walking on water. And this isn't the one where Jesus calms the seas, but his disciples are coming across the lake. Sun goes down, it is pitch black, it is night, and the wind starts some turbulent waves. And then out of the darkness comes Jesus walking on the water, terrified. And he says, don't be afraid, it's just me. And they get in the boat and immediately they were on the other side of the lake. Then last week, we spent all chapter nine of John on the man born blind. If you remember, Jesus healed him, but nobody believed him. And the Pharisees kept asking him who healed him and was this the right man at all? Now that he can see, is this the same guy and his parents had said, yep, yeah, that's him. We don't know nothing about no Jesus Messiah, but this is our son and he can see. And we talked a little bit about the fact that the Pharisees at one time could see, but now they were blind. Meaning at some point in their journey, they were close to God, but over time they had faded away and they had used their power and standing for just that, to accumulate their power and status and exploiting others to keep the law that works in their favor. They had started with sight and then became blind. That was last week and the sixth miracle. And then today is the climax of all of it with the raising of Lazarus. And make no mistake, this is the point where Jesus sets in 
to motion, events that cannot be altered or changed. It is the point where the pivot happens and they say, now we must plan to kill him. So let's take a step back and look. Vicky did a good job breaking this down, but let's take a look again. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, siblings. All good friends of Jesus, not acquaintances, not pals, not buddies. These are people who were close to Jesus. They lived in Bethany, which is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. So every time Jesus and his disciples came to Jerusalem to do uh, to worship at the temple and to come for the festivals and the feasts and the events that transpired in Jerusalem, they would stop at Bethany with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So much so that a message is sent. The sisters send a message to Jesus and say, Lord, he whom who you... Who, let me try that again. Lord, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love. They don't say, hey, do you remember a few months ago you had lunch with a guy that was Lazarus? He didn't say, do you remember our brother? You did some things together one time. It says, he whom you love. That is an intimate relationship. So we have the closeness of the four of them. We have Bethany, the city. And as Vicki said, Mary and Martha, we know more things about right after this in chapter 12, they will have a dinner with the risen Lazarus at Mary and Martha's house. And that's when Mary anoints Jesus' feet with her hair and the costly oil and perfume, the nard. But that hadn't happened yet. So these are significant people in the life of Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill, sent word. Jesus said, don't worry, this illness will not lead to death. And so much so that he knew this would glorify God that he waited two more days. Two more days, which has to be tough for everybody in the situation who is panicked that Lazarus whom I bet more than just Jesus, Mary, and Martha loved, is near death. Then after that, Jesus says to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples say, uh, we would rather not. In the prior uh, chapter in 10, in the Good Shepherd sections, the Pharisees had pushed Jesus to say who he was. Was he the Messiah, really? Was he the Son of God? Was he, in fact, with God or an extension of God? And they didn't like Jesus' answer. And so in the moment, they took up stones to stone he and the disciples. That is what they would call blasphemy. Jesus will ultimately, as far as the charges, be crucified for blasphemy and sedition, talk about this in a few weeks. Blasphemy is religious law that he broke by saying, in essence, he was God. And sedition is more civil law that he broke for Rome 
Because Caesar is God, not some peasant carpenter. And blasphemy and sedition together are what technically Jesus on paper was crucified for. So here it's blasphemy. And they spontaneously try to take up stones and execute him. But they're able to slip away. They're just outside of town. The disciples feeling lucky that they got out with their lives. And here's Jesus who said, hey, let's go back. We just left this party, the disciples say. I don't think it's a good idea. Jesus says, our friend Lazarus Lazarus has fallen asleep. We need to wake him up. Disciples don't get it. They're not talking about sleep, talking about death. And he says plainly then, Lazarus is dead, but let's go. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Does that sound like a doubter? This is one of the other things we know about doubting Thomas, that post-resurrection. He wasn't in the room when Jesus appeared. So he said, I will not believe it unless I touch his wounds and see him again. And that's mostly what we know about Thomas, and it's not really fair to him. He had doubts that Jesus reappeared, or maybe he just couldn't fathom believing it or wouldn't let himself believe that Jesus had been raised. But here, he makes a statement of faith that I wonder if we could make. Thomas says, let's go back into that den of death, into that place where we were almost executed. And he says, let us go that we may die with him. That is faith. So we need to remember that about Thomas also. So they go. Jesus arrives, had been in the tomb four days. Four days. Some of the understanding is that three days is how the process, it took that long to separate the body from soul and your body would be deteriorating while your soul was then at home with its place or sleeping in the place of the dead till Jesus brought resurrection. And so Jesus sees that and says, I'll do you one better, let's wait one more day. So four days total. Bethany, two miles away, which we've talked about, Martha and Mary heard, bless you, Jesus was coming and they went to meet him. Martha goes first and Mary stays home. Martha first, Mary will get her discourse in just a moment, but Martha comes, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Bam. How many of us have asked the same thing of God? Jesus in the Holy Spirit, when things have gone and our awful tragedy ensues, difficulties happen in our life, we say, God, if you had helped or if you could help or why didn't you help, then the bad result would not have happened. The death wouldn't have happened. The hurt wouldn't have happened. The abuse wouldn't have happened. My failing health would not have happened. We ask these same questions to this day. But she doesn't finish there. She says, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. There's some belief there that says, but you're Jesus and you can make things happen. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. 
And Jesus says those famous words, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. These are part of the I am statements, seven of those as well in John's gospel. I am the resurrection and the life happens here. And Jesus says at this point, do you believe this, that I am the resurrection and life? Do you believe it? Looked at her and said, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. Boom. Then she goes, Mary comes. Jesus had not yet come to that place. Mary quickly got in, went out, and Mary kneels at his feet and says, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Second time, other sister. Except Jesus now sees her weeping and reads the, the, those gathered, the community, they are all weeping. It disturbed him in spirit. It disturbed his heart, his soul, his very being. And Jesus began to weep. Or Jesus wept is uh, other translations. And yes, the passage that we all memorize because it's the shortest in scripture. So we can tell people that we know scripture. Jesus wept. (laughs) See how he loved them. And then the cynics come in, but couldn't he have stopped him from dying in the first place? Says, okay, take the stone away. And he prays to God, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me and is praying out loud so those around him will know his connection to God. And then said, with his voice, the same way, that God called creation into being in the beginning of Genesis. In the same way that from darkness and chaos, the spoken word brought forth order in creation, Jesus rings out, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out, but his feet are bound, his hands are bound, and his face is covered with the wraps He can do nothing but be called toward that voice, but still can't see, doesn't know where he's going or what's going on. How many of us in our calls to follow Christ sometimes feel in that place or felt in that place? I'm going toward that voice of power and love and grace, but I don't know where I'm going, almost blind. But Lazarus comes out like Pigpen from Peanuts, that stinky cloud around him, dirty, decaying for four days. But he's there and he's coming out. And Jesus doesn't go over, unwrap him and embrace him in a hug. He says to them, unbind him and let him go. You unbind him and let him go. The same way that at the feeding of the 5,000 in the account where they're all there and they said, you need to give them something to eat. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. 
Jesus empowers the community to unbind him. Today, two quick things. I'm out of time. Number one, Jesus asked of the man born blind last week, do you believe that I am the Messiah? And he says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the son of man, is his terminology. He asked again, Martha and Mary, do you believe these things that I'm the resurrection and the life? It starts with Jesus's question, do you believe in me? In this season, this is the time for us to revisit, no matter how long or maybe not even now, have you accepted Christ into your heart and life and have followed What was it that brought you in first? How did you feel in that moment or looking back realize that God has been with you from the start? We need to go back and answer that question for ourselves. Each of us, do I believe this? Belief is not just intellectual. In the gospel of John, belief is a verb that is doing. John will say, you cannot say I believe in Christ and check your box. You have to show it and live it and live your life in action to show that you believe. So number one, ask yourself that question again, do I believe? And if not, you are in a safe place, come let's explore this together. And then two, Jesus empowers the community now that they have affirmed through his questions, do you believe? Affirmed their power to unbind Lazarus God has empowered all of us with the same power to unbind people, places, engage systems of injustice, go to places where people are needed to bring the word, the light, and the grace of Christ. We are given that power, you and I and the world, to unbind others in Christ's name. We need to get back to believing ourselves. And then how do we show that? We unbind others. So today I want you to think who needs unbinding in your life? A family member, a friend, a colleague, people down the street. I want you to think of situations and groups of people who need to be unbound and how you can help them. How do I do that? You do that with your time, your talent, your gifts, your resources, all that God has given you, you have already. And you have been empowered to unbind. We need to claim that power. All of you out there, think about your communities, your lives. Who can you unbind? And at times we will be bound again and we'll need others to come unbind us. This is the cycle. So today in this fifth week of Lent, you are being called through Christ, questioning you and I and the world directly. Do you believe this, that I am the Messiah? And secondly, you have been empowered to unbind. So let us go and do so. Hallelujah. Amen.